Good morning, everyone, and happy Saturday, and welcome to the Saturday edition of I Take Bravo Very Seriously, hosted by me, Dana Mandel. I'm excited to be here today, mostly because I'm excited to be done with The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Miami. Not saying that they weren't good, I just feel like there's so much else going on in the Bravo sphere that is bigger, and, um... I'm excited. I'm excited for the Valley. I'm excited for Summer House. Um, Vanderpump Rules isn't doing so well, but we have so much else in the Vandersphere that is keeping us going, like with all the podcasts and the after show, and there's just so much going on there. So I am happy to get these ones over with, but I did promise to get you guys um, this bonus episode today covering a recap of the finalities, sorry, the finales of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of Miami. And as I mentioned previously, um, I'm not going to cover the reunions in full. Um, If anything big comes out of the reunions, I will just talk about them in News of the Week. Um, So from now on, this show is going to cover News of the Week as per usual, Vanderpump Rules, which will also include all of its podcasts and subsidiaries and anything else going in the Vanderpump Rules sphere, it'll cover the Valley and it'll cover Summer House. And that, I feel, is a lot more manageable for me. All right, guys, so let's get into the episode. Name them. That what? Name them. Well, name what you em. did was ridiculous. Name them. Uh, not having... Name uh, well, be quiet. So name let em. me talk, Jesus! Okay, so the finale of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the majority of the episode was just sort of watching everybody get ready for the white party at SoFi Stadium, which is where Kyle is doing it. As you will all know, or frequent um, watchers of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the white party has been going on for many years. Kyle and Mauricio have been doing it forever. Um, And this time they get the entire SoFi Stadium. So that is pretty cool. Um, Kyle decides to use Kevin Lee as the party planner. I don't know if you guys remember Kevin Lee. He's... Um, was Lisa Vanderpump's uh, party planner and he was also in Vanderpump Rules and this is the man who told Katie she was fat and that she needed to do something about it so not sure why we would pick this guy but he is very she 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 big 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 and that's um, that's what he's good for (laughs) Um, then we have um, Dorit talking about how PK is still in London for work um, how he knew about the white party and he knew it was important for her but he extended his trip again She's saying that, like, they've been going to therapy and he's been making an effort, like, verbally to say he's understanding her PTSD, but his actions aren't showing that. And she just wants him to be around. And she says she's not sure if they'll be able to stay together. Um, I mean, I'm going to get into this more, but it's just so fascinating after watching this and Love is Blind and so many other things where all women seem to want is more time with their partner, right? I mean, it just, especially in this situation where she went through something so horrific, I can only imagine that what she needs is that support. I mean, she said it, right? The problem is with, with people who don't listen, it's just like, it's difficult enough to get people to communicate what's going wrong in their relationship or what's going wrong with them. It's actually very, very brave and also very insightful to figure out what you need and what's wrong with you and what your love language is and what your needs are. And once you've been able to communicate that, you're like, blah, there, here it is, right? These are my needs. Can you give it to me? And if the person can't give that to you, despite the fact that you've communicated it, I mean, what else can you do, right? So I am kind of concerned about them. I could see them being one of those couples that just stays together a long time and doesn't really have a relationship where he's in London and she's in LA. And I totally understand what she has said in previous episodes about feeling like a single parent. I mean, I don't, I mean, I know he has business there, but... Dude, your wife and your kids are here. Spend time with your family. It's just, I'm just not liking PK this year. Um, then we have a scene of Garcelle and um, 
Sutton talking and she's saying that Steve, the guy she had gone on a couple dates with, had ghosted her, but now he's contacted her and Garcelle's like, you know, there's there's other Steves in the fish. <laughs> I just absolutely love that. Obviously she means there's other fish in the sea, but I love there's other Steves in the fish. There are other Steves in the fish. And despite liking him, we'll see. I think I think Sutton will find her match. You know, I cannot imagine being with the same person since you're 14 years old and then even being divorced. He lives down the street. She's made it so clear how much of an impact he has on her life, how much he is in her life. And, you know, I, I thought this season was really cool for Sutton. We've seen her become more independent, let Merce go, let her marriage go, let her father go. I mean... This has been a good season for, for Sutton, except the way it started with her coming for Kyle so fucking hard. But I liked getting to see more Sutton this year. Um, then Kyle is saying that she's having this conversation with Mauricio where he's like, apparently had told people that the party was in a parking lot. And Kyle uses this as an example because she's like, he doesn't listen. Like, I told him where the party was. Like, what kind of person would I be to have a party in a parking lot? But she's using this as like, okay, these are, like, may seem like small things, but look at all these examples of things where he's just not, like, present, right? Um, Erica says that she, you know, if she hadn't been through what she's went through, she it wouldn't have led her to SoFi, and it wouldn't have led her to the Vegas residency. So in this episode, we get to see Erica have her first performance in four years, and we know that she's got her Vegas residency, and she does a fucking killer performance. Like, I really think she did amazing. And Dorit did the funniest callback to the first episode where she says that Erica gave the people what sh- what they wanted. She's a real showman. <laughs> and that's such a throwback to the first episode where Erica or Dorit comes for Erica for like coming for her marriage at BravoCon. And she's like, I gave the people what they want. I'm a real showman. And I just loved it. I, I think Dorit's only positive contribution to this season has been these little quips like that. Um... So we also find out at the end of the episode that Dorit and Kyle haven't spoken since December. We find out that PK was in London for 39 days. And then they show us one month later. So it's July 23, 2023, which is when the People article was, was released saying that Kyle and Maurizio have separated. And then we have a scene where Kyle is explaining that when the article came out, she was actually with Mo and the girls. And Mo was more focused on who leaked the story and Kyle was more concerned with how everyone was feeling. She said she felt like the life she knew was over in that moment. This is really hard to see her say that. And also very interesting, given the public speculation about this article. I mean, a lot of people think it was Kyle or Mauricio or both who released this article, but Kyle is very clearly saying, like, her family didn't even know. I really don't think that they did, based on the story that she's telling. Um, So then we have Erica coming over to talk to Kyle. And it's interesting that Erica was chosen for this. I mean, if you think about it, there isn't really anyone else on the cast that um, Kyle was close with. She has made comments recently about her and Dorit not being that close. And so it's just interesting that Erica's the one who's coming over to sort of pull this information out of Kyle. But, you know, Erica has done a 180 this season, and I've really come to like Erica. I mean, she started the season saying, you know, I'm giving up fighting for Lens, and she did, right? Except for that <laughs> little incident with Denise, who deserved it. I mean... I think that she's made a real concerted effort to be a good friend. So she's here, but I also love that not is she not only is she not just here for Kyle in this scene, she asks her the hard questions and I like that. She's like, "What about the cheating? What about this? What is wrong?" you know, and she really just pulls that out. So Kyle says, she kind of explains it's not one big thing, that's the reason, which is fair, right? And that's why I think it's kind of unfair that people have been coming down on Kyle so hard for like not being open enough, but what she's saying is like 
you know, if there was a cheating incident or there was something, then there is a reason for breaking up. But I think for her, it is so many little things that have accumulated over time. She says she needs and she wants more from her marriage that she can't get. She said that it has nothing to do with anyone else and it's just about Mo and her. So this is in response to Erica asking, like, what about all this cheating stuff? And she said that Mo likes to pretend everything's okay. And Kyle feels like it's a letdown for her family, but also strangers, which is so true, right? I mean, this is why we get so invested in these relationships and these shows. And this is maybe, you know, a shout out to Tom Sandoval, who is not going to listen to this, obviously. But, you know, something he constantly was saying was, why do people care about this? Why? Like, why is this so important to people? They don't know me. And it's like, we either see ourselves in your relationships or we aspire to it. And Kyle and Mauricio were together 27 years. They were together when they were had nothing. They were poor. He, she had a daughter. They were like 20 years old. You know, they've gone through so many different things together. And so they were a couple to aspire to. And yeah, that's why you end up seeing tweets and quotes and things that say, well, if Kyle and Mauricio can't make it, love is dead, right? And that's just because we put that on these people right but at the at the end of the day they they are just regular people just like the rest of us and they go through struggles just like the rest of us um so then we have this really heartbreaking scene where Kyle and Mauricio gather the girls to sort of talk to them about everything that's going on and Kyle tells the girls um that you know they have not talked about divorce she said that they're gonna continue to take space and work through the stuff that they're going on but doing that under the same roof and then it's absolutely heartbreaking when Portia starts to cry and you knew it would be her she's the youngest one she's you know she's still in the house and then Kyle says we are a strong family and we always will be always will be and I mentioned this last episode and as much as I love Kyle and you know, I am sort of a Kyle apologist. This little piece, as, as much as this scene was really upsetting and really difficult to watch, and I do feel like Kyle has done a really good job always of talking as much as she can and saying as much as she can, that little part felt very scripted and produced, like to be like, um, always will, like to, to, to repeat something, and I had mentioned this in my previous episode, to be like, we always will be, always will be. It just felt like a very like movie type of thing, so that was strange. Then she tells the camera that there's a big chance that they won't end up together. Um, she said there are things that happened that made her lose trust that she wasn't able to recover from. Now, obviously people think cheating, but I think it could be so many different things. And because she did say to Erica, it has nothing to do with anybody else. That doesn't actually, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not cheating. It could mean like there was cheating a long time ago. And now she feels like, you know what, looking back, this is just not something I can ever get over or recover from. Um, but I feel like uh, to, to break someone's trust could mean so, so many different things. And you can see that despite her saying that it isn't just one thing, and despite her saying that he's so busy, and I'm busy too, and we're just growing in different directions, and all these other things, it's clear that there is something else that she is holding on to that she can't get over. And she had said in the previous episode, I wouldn't want my daughters to put up with something like this, so I wouldn't either. And it's like, then what the fuck is it, right? So then we get the preview for the reunion, which is long, and we have Dorit saying that Kyle had sent her a long text trying to silence her. I actually have that text, so I'm going to read that for you. Um, and then we see that there's like this big fight um, between them during the episode where Dorit is like, you've tried to minimize our friendship. And Kyle is like, that was, I mean, you were saying things on the show that were trying, that were making 
the whole Morgan thing look more suspicious. And which is true. I mean, I said this throughout all of these recaps. Kyle, or sorry, Dorit was saying a lot of shitty things about Kyle, making comments about like, oh, is she wearing that to attract another man? Or, oh, like, is she into Morgan? I mean, these are really shitty things to say about someone you're close with if you are close with. So anyway, so here's the text from Kyle to Dorit the night before the reunion. Hi, I've been trying to reach out because I know we are in a weird place and it really bothers me, and it's not even on the show. I wanted to explain where I am at and why I have been distant, but my hands were tied. Of course, some interview comments hurt my feelings and created more issues for me, but I am used to that and could get past it in time. I also reminded myself that you didn't know what I was going through with Mo at the time for most of these remarks. But then I heard some things that you said about me off camera that hurt me deeply and I wasn't even able to say what I heard or from whom. It was one of those things where I wished I just didn't know it all because I wasn't able to share and yet I was left hurt and couldn't even try to work through it with you. All I know is you were frustrated and want to know what and who said it, but I can't. It's as frustrating to me as it will be to you. Trust me. I've gone through such a hard time, Dorit. I've been in so much pain, I can't tell you. Never have I felt so low, and I know you're going through a hard time. Normally, I would have reached out to check on you, but I was hurt and very depressed. I spent 30 years with Mo, married 28, and I have no idea how to live without him or how to navigate through life on my own because I have so much on my plate from tomorrow for tomorrow, and I know you do too. I love you, PK, and your kids so much. I've been thinking about you and hoping you aren't struggling too much. I don't want to lose someone else in my life over a TV show. They don't even know we are going through a hard time, so I don't see the need to bring it up there. I should have said something sooner, but I honestly haven't been strong enough. But relationships and you are more important to me than Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and I don't feel like bringing it for, th for that at our expense, especially when we have enough battles to handle as it is. Anyways, I would like to sit down and talk after we get through tomorrow. Maybe have lunch or dinner when you can. If you want to talk before tomorrow I'm around, I would give anything not to have to go through this. I don't know how much longer I can do this show. It's so toxic and creates so much anxiety for me. Anyways, let me know if you want to talk. So, and then in the in the preview, we have Dorit saying that, like this text, she took it as Kyle trying to silence her. I mean, <sighs> This is messy, because for Kyle to say, I heard you said these things about me, but I can't tell you who said it, I mean, you can't do that. You can't bring something up and try to work through it with somebody without giving all of the information. This is very juvenile, in my opinion. Like, this just isn't okay. I mean, Dorit at least deserves to know. I mean, if they're going to work on their friendship or if they ever have a chance, they just need to, to be open and honest with each other. But... I guess how Dorit is perceiving this is that she's asked that Kyle is asking her not to speak about their relationship whatsoever. Um, again, I'm a Kyle apologist and I feel like she's a person and think about, you know, like us, right? I mean, if you were going through something like this, would you be your best self? Would you want it talked about? I know it's her job and I know this and that, but at the same time, she's actively going through this and actively dealing with the media and actively dealing with so many things so I could see why she's just maybe not in the best place and it's just saying shit right and she's she's spiraling that's what it is she's spiraling and we all spiral but we just don't all spiral on tv or even have our texts leaked so yeah this is kind of weird that Dorit released this this is actually kind of fucked up if it is Dorit that released this oh yeah it is Dorit that released this I mean I just don't know how they'll ever come back from a friendship when they've said these horrible things about each other, when these texts have been released. I, I just really don't know. Um, we also know that Kathy shows up to the reunion, which is bizarre because she wasn't on the show. 
Um, I assume it'll be sort of like a, a making up thing with her and Kyle and we'll get to see them hug and, and you know, sort it out. Um, we also know that Sutton passes out and we see a little bit of that and I believe that Garcelle went to the hospital with her. But yet I still think we have a three-part reunion, so regardless of losing two people. Um, and then we see Andy asking, like, Kyle the hard questions. So we'll, we'll see, right? He's like, infidelity, would you ever date Morgan? Like, he's, he's hammering out those questions, the answers that we want to know. And I hope we get those answers. But I do, you know, as much as I am a Kyle apologist, I do still kind of have questions. Like, I mean, she answered the question about the Morgan music video. She said that that was before, they shot that before, rumors had come out about them. Okay, fine. But what about just randomly bringing up on the show, like, would you ever date a woman? Morgan had her arm around her waist the other day at Watch What Happens Live. Like, it's, it does seem like she's playing into it. I mean, in many senses, right? I mean, we could talk about this all day long, and we've talked about it for a year, so I'm not going to get into it in, in great lengths. But I hope at the reunion we just kind of finally settle this and get our answers with regards to what it is about Mo you don't trust and what the deal is with you and Morgan. All right, well, that's the end of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills finale. Um, I think it was a pretty good season. Um, like I said, it was good to see Sutton coming into her own. It was great to see Erica sort of taking a shift and becoming a different person. Um, obviously, the season was predominantly about Kyla Mauricio. Um, I wish we had gotten more there. I sort of felt like the episode or this episode where they just picked up cameras didn't really give us much, um, except for sort of the one scene with um, Mauricio and Kyla and the family. Um, Crystal didn't really give us much this season. It seems like her whole thing was about um, either fighting with Anne-Marie or her relationship with her brother. Anne-Marie, obviously, we got nothing. Um, nothing at all, <laughs> you know? Like, this woman is obviously not going to come back next season. We know nothing about her life, nothing about her family. All we know is that she loves esophaguses and she is a nurse anesthetist. Literally it. Um, Dorit this season did not have a good season. Dorit, um, you know, <laughs> was pretty offensive when it comes to Garcelle, when it comes to Crystal, and it, again, it could just be she's spiraling, right? She's not doing well in her relationship, and, you know, it could be that. And I think she's also really struggling in terms of her relationship with Kyle. I think it really bothered her during this season where she just felt like she wasn't as much a part of Kyle's um, relationship. So yeah, I'm excited to see the reunion. I'm excited to see what happens, and um, I'm curious for next season. So that's it for the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills finale recap. Okay, so let's get into the Real Housewives of Miami finale. So this was actually a pretty good episode, and actually quite a bit happened here. I feel like in finale episodes, there usually isn't much. It's usually just like wrapping things up, but we actually got some fighting, which we love. So we start off with um, Larsa and Marcus talking about how the women were asking her about the issues with Michael Jordan, and she's saying that she would rather Marcus talk about it than it coming from her. And Marcus said that maybe his dad will come out and say what he really meant, but he doubts it. So they talk about it on an episode of Separation Anxiety, and we're sort of watching this, and Marcus addresses the comment that his father made. So apparently his dad was asked um, what he thinks of Marcus's relationship with Larsa, and he laughed, and then he was pressed on it a little bit more, and he was asked if he approved of their relationship, and he said no. Um, Marcus thought it was funny, um, but Larsa was actually embarrassed by it, and Marcus clarifies that his dad hasn't actually met any of the women that he's dated, and his father just wants him to be happy, but it's more so his mom that he cares about. She's sort of the key, and she loves Larsa, so a non-issue. Now that I think about this more, I think, as before, I was saying a lot about how Larsa wasn't open enough, and that if she has to share her relationship, but at the same time, 
Michael Jordan did not sign up to be on this show, so I think it is, in all fairness, that she doesn't want to speak of him, um, especially because she has no actual relationship with him. So, you know what, in that respect, I think it is kind of fair. That being said, what the fuck is going on with Larsa and Marcus? I mean, I feel like there's a new update with them every day, but, like, they could be engaged at this point. We don't really know. We know they sort of broke up and then got back together two days later and then she shows up with this giant ring. I I really don't know, but they are being very extra and too much in the media these days, in my opinion. Um, Then we have a scene where Gertie goes over to Nicole's. Nicole says she's hopeful to get pregnant on her own and that she's working on that. And they're talking about um, Adriana having this Havana Nights party. Now, I don't even know what this party is for, but I guess it's just like the finale party. Um, And Gertie talks about how this will be her last outing until um, she's done with her chemo. And Gertie said that Larsa, you know, took the ability to tell the girls about her cancer in her own time. And she took that away from her. Um... You know, she said that this is something that she wanted to to share herself. And then she explains that, like, also that she heard that Larsa is still, like, doing this clickbait stuff where she said to a reporter recently that someone bit her in Mexico. And Gertie explains to the camera, there's three criteria to being a good friend. She said, keep secrets, tell the truth, and do not be a pathological liar, and have compassion and grace. I would ha- 100% agree with all of these points. You definitely want your friends to keep your secrets. You want them not to lie about you. And you definitely want them to be compassionate with the things that you're going through, which is something that Larsa does not seem to be able to know how to do. Um, So we have a scene of Alexia uh, with her boys and they're moving and Alexia is talking to Peter about what would happen to Frankie if anything had happened to her. And I just think Alexia is such a beautiful mom. I mean, the relationship she has with these boys and how much she has put into them is just, you know, so selfless. And I think that you know, her parenting of Frankie, even everything Peter's been through, which apparently had, like, some drug issues and police issues and whatever, but, like, the fact that everyone just understands how important Frankie is and for Peter to be like, yeah, if something were to happen, I know that that would be my responsibility. I just love the way this family supports Frankie. Frankie is so fucking cute. Like, ugh, I'm just, I'm just obsessed. Okay, so then we have a scene with Lisa, who flew in her mom and her aunt so they could watch the kids while she and Jody go on vacation. This is interesting. This is the first time we've seen Lisa's mom. Her mom and aunt actually look, like, identical, so I'm not sure if they're, like, twins. Um, they are from Canada, and, well, originally her mom was from, like, a very poor town in Jamaica, and then they all moved to Canada, um, and Lisa's talking about how much she would love to visit Canada, and I just love how they keep talking about Canada as if it's, like, this small place. Like, I live in Canada as well, but I live in Toronto, right? Like, she did mention Toronto at one point, but Canada is a giant country, so when she keeps being like, I want to visit Canada, like, I just found it odd that she was not referring to the specific place in this giant country that she's referring to, and I don't know if it was in the interest of, like, privacy and keeping, like, privacy for her family. I just thought it was interesting. And then there's, like, a lot of back and forth with, like, her mom and her aunt and Lisa just kind of shit-talking Lenny, but it was confusing. Like, her mom had said that she had texted Lenny about how she feels, but he never responded, but we don't know exactly what the mom said. And it was just sort of things like, you know, they weren't nice to us. The aunt was like, they're gonna get their karma. It just wasn't really clear... I don't know, I guess he just wasn't nice to them and he would sort of talk down to them. That's just sort of the vibe I get. Um, But I am curious about Lisa's relationship with her mom because I know she had said in a previous episode to Nicole that she doesn't see her mom that much. And I know it's just, you know, obviously the space and that kind of thing. But she did move out of the house when she was like 16 years old. So 
you know, again, there are so many ways that we could expand on these storylines and learn more about these people in a very interesting way. I, you know, there's so many times where we look at someone and we say, this person has no storyline or this person's storyline is boring or this person, you know, has to go because there's just nothing else to them. But, you know, I think that producers and, and, you know, casting should look deeper into these women's previous lives. I would love to know more about Lisa's past. Um, so then we have Julia saying that now that Martina's fully recovered, she wants to get back into farming and she wants to lure Martina to be able to spend half the time in Miami and half the time at the farm. So I actually didn't realize that the farm was not close by. I'm not really sure how far it is, but if she's saying that they want to spend half the time in one place and half the time in the other, it must be significantly far away. So I guess there's some sort of financial issue to Martina for um, Julie to be having all of these animals and in the farm. And so she starts making this jam and she shows Adriana the jam and she's going to be charging $30 a jar for the jam so that she can pay for the hay to pay for the animals. And Adriana's like, a jar of jam is like $5. Like, what is this? Like crack? And it's like, yeah, it's like, it reminds me of um, Arrested Development. Like, how much is a banana? $10? It's like a $30 jar. Um, So then we're at um, Adriana's Havana Nights party and everyone's getting ready for it. And we see Russell and Gertie at home and she decides, okay, like, you know, I've had no control over my cancer, but the one thing I can control is my hair. And so she decides to, to shave her head. And You know, she's very emotional going through it, and it's very hard for her. And she asks Russell if he's going to be okay, because she's going to cut off the braids, but then he's going to shave her head. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be fine. And he is, like, this man, who I have never noticed before, because he is the quietest, whitest man I have ever seen in my life, just fades into the background. But this season, this man has done the fucking work. This man is such a stand-up husband and father and person. He did not waver. He did not break he stood so strong for his wife as he shaved her head told her that she looked beautiful and he's i you know i i stand russell and you know two judgy girls if we're doing march madness again i mean forget fucking carl radke forget fucking craig conover Russell, whatever their last name is, I'm actually not even sure. Motherfucking Russell from Real Housewives of Miami is the goal husband. This man just supports his wife to the nth degree, and we'll get to that a little bit more. So I actually did not realize that Emilio Estefan has worked on this song with Adriana. He's there at the party, and so we we see Adriana go up, and she does this amazing performance. Emilio Estefan goes up, he plays the bongos with her, and they continue to work together. And, like, this is actually a really big deal. Like, go Adriana. She, She's kooky. She's so weird. But she's a performer. She does a really good job. Like, you know, she's no, like, can we freak bitch, you know? Like, I, I think she did so amazing. And to have this relationship that she does with Emilio Estefan, I mean, I think these women are more famous than I thought they were. Um... So Gertie ends up saying that she doesn't want to talk to Larsa at the party because of her clickbait crap. Um, And then all the ladies are sort of sitting around, and this sort of leads to a fight. So it starts with Larsa telling the ladies that, um, you know, she can't say whatever she wants about the Michael Jordan situation. She can only say certain things. And Julie's like, yeah, but we just want you to be open. And Larsa's like, I feel like I have been. And, like, Michael is an adult. I'm an adult. Marcus is an adult. Like, I don't need my parents' permission or his parents' permission to date someone. Um, and Larsa's like, you know, I've been trying to build a relationship with these girls and Nicole and I are getting closer and Nicole is like, yeah, but then girl, Gertie just, I guess she feels like she can't help it. So she jumps in and she's like, okay, so in Mexico we were all bonded 
But then I ask you, she says to Larsa, not to put my name in the press, but then a couple of days ago you mentioned the biting, and Larsa's like, did I say your name? You're dumb. Why does she speak to someone who is literally going through cancer treatment like this? You're dumb? That's what you're going to say to her? You're dumb? And Larsa's like, I can't with you. I can't win. I can never win. And Larsa's like, you bit me and you're mad at me? I don't remember this bite, but I'm sure it was playful and was stupid, and so... I, I don't know. So Lars is like, Gertie, you're always looking for a reason to be mad. And maybe that's true, but I think that's because Gertie has a lot of pent-up aggression towards Larsa for a bunch of things that have happened this year, and that is totally valid. Um, and that's totally where it's coming from. And Nicole sort of says to the camera, like, Larsa, like, you need to learn your lesson. Like, you're fighting with someone going through cancer treatment. And it's like, I just don't understand her mentality. And we even have Alexia saying to the camera, like, that she would say, yes, Gertie, whatever you say, Gertie, 100% Gertie, because this woman is literally going through chemo in two fucking days. I can't with Larsa. Um, Larsa then tells Gertie to shut her fucking mouth. And then this is where Russell jumps in. And I just fucking love Russell. He's like, be respectful, Larsa, be respectful, be respectful. And he just like gets himself like physically in there. And he's like, you don't need to put up with this Gertie, right? And I just love that he got his wife out of there. Like, again, this man is so fucking fire. Um, then we see this really cute scene of Nicole dancing with her father, um, but then he starts dancing with Kiki, and then she's like, he just had a boner, and then they actually show the man's boner, they just show, like, through his pants, his fucking boner, and this is, I don't know what to make of this, because this man has now passed on, and which is really sad, but it was a really funny scene, but also I feel kind of inappropriate to show this man's boner when he has recently passed, but I don't know. Um, so then Kiki says that, you know, she, she makes a really good point at the end of the season. She's like, you know, we argue with passion, but we make up with passion and we really love each other. And I love that because that is so true. We do see these women like really go at it, but they really know how to do this show right, where they know how to just make up and let things go. Because if you can't, you end up in situations like Potomac, where we have nowhere to go because no one is willing to speak to each other. And Kiki's just like, you know what? We fight hard, but we love hard and, and we can move on. And that's why I feel like this cast needs to stay exactly as it is so then we have the little updates at the end where we have that kiki's dating a new la man good for her adriana continues to work with emilio estefan amazing for her uh, marisol and steve renewed their vows in scotland apparently they are not even technically married that i didn't know that's weird not that they're not married but that they're renewing their vows um and then we know that nicole is now pregnant with her second baby her father has passed which we have mentioned but she was able to tell him she was pregnant before he passed and i'm so happy that they were able to revitalize or or get some sort of relationship going between the two of them before he passed because i can't imagine how difficult it would be for her to know that they that he passed if they were on bad terms you know um, then we have a scene of Marcus um, giving Lars a promise ring and that they're talking about marriage, but they haven't seen Michael Jordan yet. A promise ring? Isn't this woman like 48 years old? Isn't that... Their relationship is so juvenile, the way they are in the press, this promise ring. What? Who gives a promise ring to a 48-year-old woman? Like, what are you promising? It's, it's ridiculous. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Um, then we have... Um, an update on Julia that she and Martina are restarting their plans to adopt a child now that Martina's cancer is or that she's cancer free and I think that's so amazing and I love this for Alexia so we have this part where she has actually started to challenge herself to have Frankie meet with her somewhere else in an Uber and he did it and he did such an amazing job and I'm so happy for her and for him 
I know that these steps are so, so challenging for her to give him that independence as well as for him as well. And I just love that they have the Des Moines organization, foundation, whatever it's called, to sort of help support him and help him move through life. Because I just love that, again, Alexia is such a supportive mother and she is thinking about the future. At some point, she isn't going to be here. And so like to take that step to have him go in an Uber by himself and meet her, I think that's amazing and such a huge stride. And even though we have heard about Alexia's financial issues, they want to let us know that Alexia just bought a Ferrari and took a luxury vacation with Todd. Lisa is going to be moving into a condo while she waits for Lenny to build her house, but he is contesting the settlement, so we don't know when that'll happen. And Gertie is now cancer-free. She says that she is gertified cancer, and I fucking love it. So yeah, I feel like killer season. I mean, Gertie gave us so much with what was going on in her life. Um... Nicole is just like a perfect angel. She's such a good friend. I just love watching her life because it's, it's again, one of those lives you want to aspire to. She's so rich, so beautiful, has such an amazing husband, um, houses, boats, all the things, just loving her. Kiki literally needs to be a full-time cast member. I mean, this woman, like, give this woman a mojito. She is so funny. She brings so much. Larsa didn't have a great season in terms of her ability to be a person or compassionate. Um... But she's also still interesting to watch. Um, Alexia had a great season and just watching her um, dive into her relationship with Frankie and her relationship with the women. Marisol, we didn't get as much from this season. I mean, she is a friend of, but, you know, she, what's great about Marisol is always just like her funny quips and all the funny things that she brings in, right? And same with Adriana. She's got her kookiness, but she's got her performances, and that just brought us to it. And I'm just, I really love the season. I feel like it doesn't get as much credit as it should. Um, but yeah, don't sleep on Miami. I think this is really good, and I don't think we need any different casting, I think, except for maybe giving those three women a mojito. Like, it's weird that we've had these three friends of for, like, three years, but other than that, I think this is perfect casting, perfect show, and I look forward to the reunion and see what comes of that. That's my opinion! Okay, guys, that's it for the Saturday edition of I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. You can also listen and download on uh, my YouTube channel at I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You can follow me on Instagram at The Bravo Investigator and at I Take Bravo Very Seriously. You can also follow me on TikTok at The Bravo Investigator. And please, guys, if you don't mind, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really, really helps the show grow. And until next time, keep taking Bravo very seriously.